Hi, welcome to the Plus Up podcast brought to you by Media Plus Advisors. I'm Susan George, and I'm here today with my partners, Carly Feinstein and Perry Ann Grignan. Hi, ladies. Hello. Hi. Perry Ann, do you want to introduce our topic today? Yes. Today, we're going to talk about trust and transparency. And while having trust and transparency is critical, you're, you're not going to have a great partnership if you don't have it. And we're in the middle of a five-part uh, journey to talk about the five essential keys uh, to maintaining and building strong partnerships. And I just wanted to kind of review them because we are in number three. We're kind of in the middle here. Um, we talked about communicate and align on expectations because um, if you want to get somewhere with your partner, you have to be on the same page. And you get there through communication and through aligning on what those goals are. And then we talked about uh, just recently scoping an agreement properly and making sure that your expectations are met and that your staff, the scope, is really aligned to business goals. We spent um, you know, a fair amount of time in that conversation talking about you know, how to not just build an incremental or you know, dusting off last year's scope agreement and staffing plan uh, and you know, setting it up for the future, but really taking a fresh look at things. Um, after today, we're gonna then turn our sights on measuring success on what those shared goals are. And then uh, to wrap up the five, we're gonna talk about governance, how to monitor, how to govern it, um, and what those success measures can be. So I'm going to get started with a question for Carly about transparency. Okay, so I looked this up. Uh, the word transparency was the ANA word of the year in 2016. Feels like eons ago, right? But it's still like so prevalent. You know, when you look at, um, you know, the offerings and websites of, you know, consultants and service providers and tech platforms and data companies and agencies. I bet the word transparency is in all of their materials. So Carly, how did we get here? Why is this so important? So I think that um, back to the ANA and what you were just talking about when transparency became the biggest buzzword, it was around rebates and agencies uh, not up, uh, being accused of not not revealing rebates fairly to their clients. Then I feel like it evolved over the past couple of years into meaning that the programmatic waterfall is transparency into hidden fees and, and tech fees and how much money was actually going to media. So it's, it's, it's had this connotation for the past few years about like the agency's hiding something from you marketers, but that's not what we mean when we're talking about mutual trust and transparency. Yes, those things are important. And those things we, when it comes to rebates and waterfall costs, all of that, that's something as consultants, we of course want to encourage our clients to keep an eye on. And especially when we're helping them with contracts and negotiations and all of that. But as it relates to successful partnerships, trust and transparency, what we mean is truly the sharing of information and really making sure that in order to have shared goals, that 
everybody's going after the same goal, whether that's a business objective, a partner objective, a service objective, whatever that may be, that they have all the information. Because what we have seen as agency people, as consultants, is that sometimes it becomes both ways, marketer to agency, agency to marketer, like a need to know basis. And that's just, it's, you're not gonna have the most successful outcomes if it's, if it's not all on the table. And you know, we've said this before, any relationship, any partnership, they're allowed to have some mysteries to it. Like there are some things that just don't necessarily need to be shared. Um, but for the most part, in order to have great work come out of the partnership, you want to know everything. And, you know, what we have seen is that this whole idea of non-transparency is because there have been bad eggs. There's been agencies that have had bad behaviors. There have been clients that have had bad behaviors. You know, we hear the word nefarious behaviors all the time. We hear self-serving recommendations are made by agencies because, you know, maybe there's a deal that's tied to agency compensation or a agency level deal or a global level deal with a partner or um, recommendations are being made because of those things or because of contract contractual guarantees and the none of those things link directly to business outcomes they may they may work out strategically to 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 get there but they're not getting there for the right reason. There's no blank piece of paper of what's the best way, what's the best partners to work with, what's the best audience to go after to meet these business objectives. So those self-serving behaviors have, uh, you know, led to people talking about non-transparency. And then there are marketers who, you know, or there's either they've been burned in the past by giving away too much information or it's the corporate, dynamic um, to to just withhold information and it, even as far as pitting partners against each other like we're going to tell the digital agency this much information we're going to tell the media agency this much the creative agency is going to hold everything I'm I'm using examples I'm not saying that everybody does this but these are things that lead to the reputation of non-transparency and that lack of transparency leads to issues with trust and trust is the foundation to successful relationships. It's it's really as simple as that. Um, so I don't think we can stress enough how a partnership is doomed without trust. So I'm gonna ask you, Susan, I know it's a bit of human nature to be paranoid, especially when there are large investments in play, but can you talk a little bit more about the foundation of trust? Sure. You know. Um the relationship between marketers and agencies, um, you know, like you said, there should, it's okay to have a little bit of mystery. But I mean, I think one acknowledging that, you know, both the client and agency have some sort of financial goal when they're entering into this, this relationship. Um, I, you know, sometimes I feel like it, it seems surprising, like agencies are trying to make money off of clients. I mean, they're in business. They're part of holding companies that are that are publicly traded companies. So, so yes, uh, you know, understand that there is a financial goal for both parties in here. And clients need to keep costs down. Agencies need to have a way to grow their business. So, I think if you just acknowledge that there is like a 
a financial relationship involved here. Number one, start there. The thing, um, you know, where trust really comes into it is agencies, whether it's creative, digital media, are really working to help the marketer advance their goals of growing their business. So so the, the outcome is really the marketer growing their business. And that's what they're trying to get the agencies on board to doing. But, you know, so I think really agencies need to be upfront about what they need to help grow their business. They need to be honest about what it is they're trying to do. What, um, what are they trying to advance? What different, um, you know, media strategies, what types of technology, things like that. And just be very transparent about that. And then as, as, you know, as long as marketers can really be transparent about what their goals are, what their savings objectives are, what the information the agency needs to to know to really help the marketer do their job, which is what they're trying to do, is really, you know, the, the marketer has a goal that they need to have some business outcome, and they are reliant on a network of agencies to help them do this. Um, so I, th- I think the more information that both sides can really be honest about what they're trying to achieve will then help give trust to that relationship. If it becomes a relationship where marketers are not sharing information, they're trying to cut costs as much as possible, there's no transparency into why they're cutting costs as much as possible. Well, the agencies still have a business to run. They've got people to pay for. They've got people trying to run the business. Well, guess what? They're going to try and find money in different ways. So, that and that's not a good outcome for anyone. It does nothing to help really the marketer advance their business. So, so, so really want to make sure that, that being honest about what the goals are as much as possible. And of course, they're going to keep some things close to them, but, but really that's, that's, that's the way that they can really establish that trust. Right. And it's no longer a relationship if people are just off on their own, trying to fulfill their own goals. Right. I, I, I mean, and yes, I, I mean, I think and that's one of the things that's always a little frustrating sometimes when we hear some of these relationships, you know, a, a person who's running an account at an agency does have goals outside of just helping the marketer's business. They have their own goals that they need to deliver for the agency um, through organic growth and selling in new products and increasing the business, stuff like that. So, so I think everyone needs to understand that is going to be part of it so that if everybody knows what they're kind of working towards, it it then, you know, should prevent some less nefarious things from happening, right? Because if you know the person who's running your global account also has X, Y, and Z things they're trying to do, and you you can have some conversations with them about what they're trying to do. Otherwise, you know, any piece of technology, they're just going to come in and try to sell to you and give you some BS line about why you need it. And, and and so that then all those little things start to erode trust in that relationship. Um, but perry you know, what are some of the things that are the biggest offenders in not being transparent? Hmm. Let's see. I'm going to pull out like three of them in I, 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 different parts of the business. I think the thing that always got like a lot of knocks was, you know, deal pricing in media, especially linear TV, you know, and like the idea that, you know, the gigantic, you know, companies uh, that had, you know, long, 
um, existing, you know, CPM basis, you know, had, you know, favorable, favorable rights. Um, Susan, you and I, when we worked at Media IQ, though, we saw some advertisers, small ones, right, or not, not gigantic ones, that had really great rates. But that was always something that was talked about as an offender. And having myself worked at some gigantic clients, you know, we always felt that it was um, almost an intellectual property or a way of that we were able to do business really well. Um, so I think deal pricing, you know, always got, you know, wrapped for that. I think the second to me is, especially when we talk about cross-platform, um, you know, reach and frequency and stuff, is uh, black box attribution models. You know, just the idea that there's all of this cross-platform anything out there, you know that it the reliance on black box attribution models has got to be pretty prevalent. And that can come under some fire. It really, really can. Now, on the other side, you know, deconstructing baseline sales and actually doing the work outside of a black box. Oh, man. You know, that's really hard to do. Very hard to do. So, um, but that's always gotten like a hit. And then I think the thing that always like struck me is that I know it's true. I've seen it firsthand that there are people and have been people at agencies parent companies, consulting firms, for sure, and service providers and clients too, who had equity positions in media companies and data companies and platform companies. And that meant that they were making money or, you know, there was some kind of like future money out there because they could be in a position to direct client dollars to those companies. Man, I personally think that stinks. That, you know, when I started to realize that at the end of the last client that I worked at, I, I almost couldn't believe it. You know, I was so, you know, in, incredibly naive. I think one of the things that a client can do, let's talk about like, what can a client do? A solution to understanding some of this stuff is, you know, we used to do it. Read the annual reports of the agencies. We still do it. I mean, you know, you read the annual reports of the agencies and, boy, you start to pull out and some interesting information about what their source of revenue is, how big that is, what is the interest that they're making on cash retention, like all kinds of things. So I think that like, um, you know, working together and acting with good faith and treating each other with kindness and all of that is great. But I also think it's business. And we're in business. And as Susan, as you said, the agencies, you know, they have a goal. They're part of public companies. Um, I think the clients should read their annual reports and understand them fully. So um, those are kind of the things that I've pulled out. Carly, um, I think we've been pretty clear in the, in the conversation that we've had thus far. But I want to go back to something that you were talking about before. And that's that transparency cuts both ways, right? It's, it's on both sides. So I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about, you know, how clients should and are approaching this. Sure. So from our perspective, we believe that clients need to show their agencies the whole picture, what they're doing in-house with other agencies, planning for the future, and not, as I said before, that need to know 
basis. And especially media agencies tend to get, I find, the least information. It's really kind of like, you're in charge of the money, you're in charge of investments. Like, yeah, you have a big piece of the pie. So because you're investing so much of our money, we have to just pigeonhole you into that into that place of negotiating on our behalf. And that's not smart business because some really creative strategic ideas come out of the media agency. And I do believe that this is changing and but still not so for some client agency relationships. Some of them, yes, their uh, clients are seeing that a great idea can come from anywhere. Um, but there's still some of that old school thinking, which is media people stay in your lane. And the fact is we have seen some great strategic audience-centric executions that are coming from this cross-partner collaboration because pe different people from different areas of expertise, whether it's a digital agency, a PR agency, creative agency, media agency, they're bringing different thinking, they're bringing different experience and skill sets and relationships in the marketplace together to ultimately deliver those shared goals. And there's just, there's so much science and research out there that bringing people together from different areas and uh, different thinking, it just always has better results. You know, I can, rem I have to, I love sharing these stories. I, I know things have changed, but I can remember media planning for years, having never seen the creative. Like that's unheard of. And the thing is, I bet there are still some teams that are in that vacuum. Um, and that's not necessarily a matter of non-transparent, you know, people, clients being not being transparent or agencies not being transparent. It's really just all about, I'm focused here on that sharing and seeing the whole picture because that's going to give better results than just working in a vacuum. So my recommendation out there is clients share as much as possible. Agencies use that information. Share it, you know, let make sure it trickles down to the team. Nothing works as well as when there's shared knowledge. So I'm going to talk to Susan about something right now and ask you a question. You know, we've done a lot of pitches before, all three of us, and there's no doubt that this level of transparency and sharing of information, this dynamic starts during the pitch process. Mm -hmm. And so it can be corrected if it's if it's not going in the right direction. Can you talk about this? Yeah, you know, I think this is something we've seen a lot during the pitch process, but also, you know, in some cases where we haven't necessarily run the pitch, but have been um, responsible for uh, measuring the whether it's the savings validation or the quality performance of the contract after the um, account has been assigned is is um you know really trying to be clear about what it is you're trying to achieve with the pitch you know we know how some of these things go uh, age 
the brief will will talk about you know what uh, give a business case scenario the agencies come in with all of their best thinking and um you know the clients buy into how they thought about something and then the contract gets negotiated and it becomes a savings exercise or um you know one of the things that um, the ideas that really sparked was appropriate for one business unit. And then there's five business units that are not on board and not open to change and it's business as usual. So I, I think, you know, um, being really honest about what the expectation is from the agency, how the client operates and what the fundamentals that are important um, to how the agency runs the client business is. I, I can think of a couple of examples from probably the past five years. One, um, we were actually doing that savings validation process and there was a broken relationship. So we did a lot of work um, to really understand what was going on. And we surveyed the client and talked to the agency and the agency said, you know, we were brought in as change agents. We needed to do X with the client's business. And the client was like, oh yeah, I mean, they talked about it during the pitch, but we wanted them to do Y and Z and they can barely get our activity on correctly. Well, clearly there's some gap in expectations that happened during that pitch, whereas the agency was trying to do X and, and you know, they cited their failures and being able to get some things through and, and the client was like, oh, we didn't really care about that. We liked their thinking about that, but that wasn't really what we cared about. Well, they didn't know that. And they've got, had a, they had a very broken relationship. And I think another example of that is, um, you know, being really clear when you're looking for things like savings and things like that. How, how are you willing to look at that? Do you have a methodology? I, I, we have one example, Perry, uh, Perry and I worked on this, and this was probably more than five years ago at this point, um, where, you know, the agency was going to deliver probably 12%, I don't remember, of savings. It was and probably 12%. It's always 12%. Um, so they probably signed up to deliver 12% in savings. But the methodology on how, what the client was willing to tolerate on how they got to that savings was not clear. So the agency said, you know, okay, well, we got your 12%. We we got into the numbers. I, I don't think they were incorrect in their methodology. It was just not the methodology that the client expected from everything they had heard from the agency. So, you know, making changes to the media mix and the vendor mix, they were like, no, you promised us a 12% rollback in pricing. Expectations were not clear. A lot of back and forth methodology put in place. And that's it. But that agency then never innovated or changed the media buy because it was never going to be um, accepted for savings. So if, if, if they couldn't make changes to achieve savings or any changes they made were going to be kicked out and considered non-addressable, they didn't change it. So for three years, that agency did not innovate this client's media buy. And guess what? In three years, that contract was up and they were on to a new agency. So those are things that really need to, to be made clear during the pitch process. Um, and I think if you can really be honest about that as a client, what it is you're expecting from the agency, you're only going to then set your agency up for success. If the agency does not understand exactly your ways of working, what your tolerance of change is, what it is, how your business units operate, uh, it, they're they're never going to be able to succeed. Carly? I just want to, yeah, I wanted to add another example. Everything you said, spot on. But then there's also, uh, we worked on a pitch recently where the client was 
very complicated, very complex. They they had hundreds of campaigns going on at a time. And I can remember during the pitch, they actually said, you know what, let's let's just tell them it's this many. We don't want to scare them. We don't we don't want to <laughs> we don't want to scare them. And I said, no, you have to be fully transparent with them so that they know what they're getting into. If it's not right for them and they don't want it, that's their choice to walk away. You can't be afraid of that. You want the right partner who can handle what you need and all those moving parts. And more importantly, you want to make sure that they're staffed properly. And if you don't, if you're, if you client are not transparent with how you operate, how, you know, how your budgets are set, how your CMO likes to see things like you, you need mm -hmm. to be open about that. And there's nothing to lose by being open about that during the pitch process. There's only there, you, you know, there's only to being open and honest. Well, you'll only gain from that. You're going to lose if you hold back too much information and try to look like, you know, this beautiful Barbie doll when you're really a rag doll. Like you can't, yeah. you can't do that. So one of my stupid analogies, that one just, I just <laughs> pulled that one from thin air. But um, I think that that's another. You've offended part. all rag dolls now. <laughs> But, but yeah, so like it's not just the expectations with the numbers and the end goal. It's also how you operate. You know, we how many clients have we worked with that are notorious for doing lots and lots of changes? Well, you need to be open about that. And sometimes they are, it's, it's going to be the way that your business operates and it's volatile and it needs to be, you know, flexible and nimble with what the business needs are sometimes it's because of finance the way that the financial uh you know timeline works but be open with agencies because then they'll be ready for it as they're negotiating with partners you know they can they can that could be a negotiation uh tactic well we'll make sure there aren't as many changes with you you know there's just so many things that can go right if information on how you operate and how you work is shared. Right. So, so clients might be thinking, you know, if I try to present the best case scenario, then I'm not putting myself at risk for the agency negotiating all of these higher fees for me. But ultimately, if you negotiate the wrong staffing plan, you're not doing anything to help yourself. You're going to then lead to maybe high turnover on the agency side. They can't keep people people in the job. You're, they're going to have to start charging you higher LCRs to, to keep people in that position. So, so by not sharing that information, you may have saved yourself potentially in the short term some contract fees, but they're going to get you in the end um, mm -hmm. once your ways of working are discovered. For sure. So I think that we can talk about trust and transparency for ages because again just going back to what Perrian said at the beginning the definition of transparency is multifaceted it means something different to somebody else but as it relates to trust and partnership it means being open sharing don't be afraid to be a good partner both ways um so this is one of our five keys to maintaining strong and successful partnerships. And it's so important to know that any of these recommendations that we've been giving 
in this journey and in parts one, two, and three, and in the future four and five that are coming your way, they could be implemented at any time. They don't have to be during the pitch. They don't have to be during renegotiation, scope development, um, service, uh, you know, discussions and year-end reviews. Anytime, your next status meeting, you could start implementing some of these because that should be everybody's goal with their partner agencies is to really be true partners. So we thank you for listening. We have some more coming up uh, about the, the keys to, to partnership. And this is Carly Feinstein signing off for Media Plus Advisors. Thanks for listening to the Plus Up podcast. <laughs>